Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Mm. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> such a, it's such a beautiful attitude about this practice. When we start to realize we have no idea what's going to happen. Because actually that's the most true. Who knows what we're going to feel in the next moment? What we're going to think in the next moment? What will happen in the world in the next moment? Unless we call Latoya Jackson. (laughs) We won't know. So today we're looking at the precept of not being greedy or not misusing sex, or we could call it the precept of how to treat all beings with unconditional love. But to me, the most important thing is about how do we actually <coughs> penetrate our delusions, which to me is the greatest intimacy. The delusion of separateness, which to me is the greatest, most erotic thing we can do. Recently, someone was telling me about their relationship, and they've had a lot of difficulty in their relationship in terms of intimacy until one of the partners got very sick and is dying. And now they've had the most amazing, intimate relationship where they feel like they're kind of making love all the time. And they said, can't believe it took cancer. It made me think about what is it that we're holding back from just completely participating in the intimacy that's always available. With ourselves in the world. Rumi said, married couple used to come see me once in a while. And among the many who I knew who were married, they appeared the most happy. One day I asked them, what marital advice would you offer others to might help them find some grace that you seem to share? 
The young man blushed, and so did his partner. So I did not press them to answer. But I had a sense. Their secret was this. That once every day, for an hour, they treated each other as if they were gods. And would, with all their heart, holding nothing back, do anything, anything their beloved desired. Sometimes that just meant holding hands and walking into a forest renewed. Imagine that. Making it a practice. Even with yourself in the mirror. How do you become loving? Excluding nothing. Or anything. For at least an hour a day. To me, in order to do that, you know, I love mythology. And one of the great myths of this is Eros and Psyche, of course. Eros being the god of love, of the erotic, where the word erotic comes from. Now, of course, we tend to associate erotic with anis nin or porn or something. But it actually just means the erotic, the love, sensually loving the world. And Eros fell in love with Psyche, who had a bunch of sisters. And the only deal was, since he was a god and she was not, that she was not allowed to see him in the light. And so she would only meet with him in their bedroom in complete darkness. And no one ever saw him. And her sisters were quite jealous because where they started to live was in this like fancy palace, as you can imagine. And the sisters started to conspire that probably she was married to a demon since she's never seen it. But she felt in her heart that she had seen him every night. But began to distrust her own experience. To me, it's such an amazing image of relationship where we come into relationship and we fall in love, whether it's a friend or a lover, partner. We feel really good with them, and then we start to have doubts. 
start to feel like, well, who really is that person? And so she decides to find out, to break her vow with her partner, that she had vowed not to see him in the light. She broke her vow and went in with a candle to see him sleeping. And as she bent down to see him, the wax dripped and burned his skin. And what she saw was the most radiant being and was so ashamed. And of course, as these stories go, she was punished. (laughs) Which is also true. When we don't trust and maintain our vows to each other as friends, as partners, as a sangha, and we break those vows, we, we do get through as a punishment. We have to make it anew. We have to work a little bit harder. So to me, this precept of not misusing sex or learning about unconditional love is to realize that we are definitely going to screw up. (laughs) Again and again and again. And yet, we have to own that. to realize that we are going to deceive, intentionally or unintentionally, ourselves or others, in subtle and not subtle ways. And how do we begin again? Unless one of you is just totally unconditionally loving towards all beings all the time, then you might be with me about that we fall out of relationship, which to me is the deception. And to me, it only happens when we think that I am not you. We start to get really self-involved. We get greedy. We want what we want when we want it. We don't make time to see who's in the mirror. And we don't make time to see who we're in relationship with. As a practice, daily practice. Not once in a while practice. Once in a blue moon practice. Some months ago there was a blue moon surprising because it was not blue. So even that. What does it mean to encounter all creations with respect and dignity? 
to me, this is one of the most challenging of all the precepts. Because to me, if we totally take it on, we can't have another person. There's no one outside. And that's why it's so challenging. So it's, traditionally it's called the precept of chaste conduct. Chaste. But to me, the container of the chasteness is about that we're in this together and that we are each other. That's the chasteness. And to me, we fall out of it again and again and again and again and again. I mean, just walking down the street. Oh, that person. Oh, I like that person, not that person. To me, it's it's that simple and that challenging. And it gets amplified in all of our intimate relationships, including our sangha. Dogen says about this precept, the three wheels... which he means body, mouth, and mind. And also greed, anger, and ignorance are pure and clean. Nothing is desired for. Go the same way with the Buddhas. Imagine taking that Everything is pure and clean. There's no separation. There's nothing to desire. How could that be? Nothing to desire. Aren't they coming out with a new iPhone soon? Go the same way with the Buddhas. What is this way of the Buddhas? What is it? What are we to wake up to? To me, it's the waking up to that we are in this together. One body. One. And yet we keep falling out of it. It's so easy to objectify sexually. Erotically. Heroically. 
demonize all of those things. So easy. But how do we come out of the shadows of how we do that and just make it out in the open? To me, it's the secrecy of it all. Veiling it in different ways. Where trouble ensues. And for sure, in spiritual communities, it's not hard to find examples. At least throughout all space and time. Maybe in another dimension, it's easy to find examples (laughs) where it doesn't happen. Because to me, it's about really learning how to talk about how we all do this and how we're all responsible. But when it gets pushed down, when anything gets pushed down, trouble ensues. But if we all know what's on the table, there can be a chance for intimacy and love amongst our our craziness, our imperfections, our wonkiness, our desires. There's a story I love so much where a young woman named Asian and she lived in a small uh, training temple with 20 monks 20 guys and they were practicing meditation with a certain teacher and she was really pretty and really cool I imagine Several monks secretly fell in love with her, spying her at, during walking meditation, you imagine, <laughs> out of the corner of their eye. She looks cute. Full disclosure is actually that was the first time I saw Chota during <laughs> Very distracting. <laughs> so many of them fell in love with her and one of them wrote her a love letter insisting on a private secret meeting she didn't reply to the letter directly But the following day, when their teacher was giving a Dharma talk, say, like now, (laughs) she stood up and addressed the one who had written the note to her directly. And she said, if you really love me so much, embrace me right now. 
so refreshing. What would have happened if we could be more direct? The ground of this precept is that there is no scarcity of love. And friendship. There's no scarcity of love and friendship. So why do we feel lonely? Where does loneliness come from? To me, it comes from the fundamental delusion that I'm not you, or our stories, the ye olde timey stories of I'm not worthy, no one will like me, I don't belong, fill in the blank of your favorite stories. says everything is fully manifesting itself. There's no separation between self and other and things. Just no separation. Therefore, there is nothing to acquire, desire, or grasp. I mean, it's so clear, right? easy to say, as Diane always says. In the precept, we look at it in three ways. One is the literal, is don't misuse sex. Don't harm people. Don't treat them as objects. In the relational, the spirit of compassion and reverence, consider the time, place, conditions, and degree, and the conditions involved. And this precept is not limited to sex, but extended to greed and all of its manifestations. To me, the chief greed that I often see is self-clinging. Me, me. To me, I see that as a form of greed. My story, my story, my story, my story. There's not much love in that. Certainly not much unconditional love which to me is what the practice is about. Learning again and again and again for a lifetime how to do that. In the intrinsic view, the absolute view is that there's no self and there's no other. The one body.
And one of the slogans that we use with this precept to work with is just to practice friendship. How do you practice being a friend? <coughs> to everybody. Not just the people you want to be friends with. To me, it's about really learning how to relax and be direct. There's a poem called Senior Discount. <laughs> Actually, a woman I went to Sarah Lawrence <coughs> back in the day. <coughs> Allie Liebgott. I want to grow old with you. Old, old. So old we pad through the supermarket using shopping cart as a cane that steadies us. I'll wait at a register, too, in my green sweater with threadbare elbows, smiling because you've forgotten the bag of day-old pastries. The cashier will tell me a joke about barbers as I wait. He repeats the first line three times, but the only word I understand is barber. Over the years, we've caught inklings of our shrinking frames and hunched spines. You're a little confused looking for me at the wrong register with a bag of almost stale croissants clenched in your hand. The first time I held your hand, it felt enormous to my own. Sasquatch, I teased you a million years ago. Over here, I yell, but not in a mad way. We're laughing. You have a bright yellow pin on your coat that says, Shalom. <laughs> Senior discount, you say to the cashier. But the cashier already knows us. We're everyone's favorite customers. <laughs> I love that poem. The relaxing into relationships. being in relationship with everybody. Realizing that we're just going to get, we don't know how much time, but gradually older and more frail. For sure. You can count on it. If you're looking for sure answers, that's the sure answer. But how do you want to do that? And what kind of relationships do you want to build in your community, with your partners, with your friends? And just to examine how greed works for you. <coughs> and can you do something different? Because 
It's hopeless. We're all greedy. We all separate. So we might as well just own that and learn how to practice doing something new. And it's so amazing to me to practice together as a Sangha because we have the ability to practice that together. And how does this Sangha want to age together? My wish is for it to become more and more loving and people to learn how to take more and more risks. But it takes all of us. So it's up to us.